Hello and welcome to The Rate Debate. I'm Darren Langer, co-head of Fixed Income at Yarra Capital, and joining me is my co-portfolio manager, Chris Rands. Hello, everyone. Well, it's the first Tuesday of May, and that means the RBA has just met. And for the first time in around 11 years, they have hiked interest rates. The RBA hiked 25 basis points, something that few in the market predicted, but on balance, that made sense to us. Uh, we, we kind of expected if they were going to go, they'd probably do their usual uh, sort of amount, Chris. So do you think this is a sign that the RBA has done a, a massive backflip from um, the February uh, statement? And, um, you know, what do you think this is sort of leading to for the next couple of months? I don't know if necessarily backflip is, is the right word to describe it, but when you look at the statement that they made today, it was certainly much more hawkish than what they were talking about uh, last month, and we'll probably get into some of the comments that they made on wages and inflation. But for them to to about turn so quickly and and now move to a, a hiking and and probably more to come, is a nod, I guess, to what the market is was expecting, but was not really coming through the the statements they had been making in the past. Yeah, I, I think um, you know we, when we talked about it the last couple of weeks, fifteen basis points, which was what the market was expecting, we thought really didn't make any sense a lot of people were sort of talking about 40 which to me meant they were probably starting to panic the way they talked in that statement you know it leans a little bit more to me that they're starting to panic because you know the only real data we had um, in the last month was the the inflation print which you know was a lot higher than many people had suspected probably a lot higher than we would have expected as well but you know on on balance a, a lot of it is really oil and food related. There's not a lot of evidence that inflation is rampaging across the board. Yes, a lot of things are sitting at around the middle of the band, but you know, it's really only one one or two items that are running significantly ahead, all of which are probably not rate sensitive other than housing. You know, what what do you think um, you know, we're likely to see from here, Chris? When you look at what the RBA had in this statement, they said that while inflation was probably higher than they expected, a lot of that was being driven by global factors. So that is oil and, and agricultural products kind of really shifting it higher. As you said, the, the number was higher than certainly we expected and, and probably the market expected as well. And that's got them to get a bit of a move on. If you look at what the RBA was saying last month, um, what they said was that they wanted to see evidence that inflation was sustainably in the two to three band. And then suddenly four weeks later, they're saying the board is committed to doing what is necessary to ensure inflation returns to target over time. So you've, you've kind of shifted from a central bank that's saying, you know, we'd like to see some proof of this thing occurring to now saying we must be hiking and we must really stomp on this inflation because it's here and it's entrenched. So it's a bit of a shift, but in terms of kind of the hawkishness of the statement, it isn't about turn from saying we want to see evidence to now saying, well, we've seen enough evidence over the past four weeks and we're ready to go. To me, it's more around, you know, what evidence have they actually seen? I know many in in um, financial markets, a lot of economists have, have said that there are wage pressures, there are lots of other pressures going on. But again, a lot of it's anecdotal and we haven't actually seen it come through the numbers. We will get some wages data later on this month and, and maybe that's what we see. Maybe the RBA has got some advanced um, view on that that we haven't seen yet. But it, it certainly did seem that they've gone from being very confident that they might be able to move 
at one pace to now being a bit worried that perhaps they need to move a little bit faster. To me, one of the, the more interesting things is that the market actually reacted quite badly to the 25 basis points and actually sold off a little bit more. We're pricing in way more than any tightening phase has ever happened in history. That in itself is not unusual. Markets usually overrun. But, but at a time when we're running such large amount of debt across the economy, the pricing seems out of whack with the likely outcomes over the next couple of years. And you've got to wonder whether they're, they're really risking a recession just to solve a problem, which is effectively oil prices and food prices, which rates aren't going to solve. If you kind of step that back and, and look at what they were saying last month about why they wanted to see inflation sustainably in that two to three band, they're really focused on wages. And they were saying that from their liaison programs, there weren't kind of real signs yet that we were seeing... Uh, wages begin to accelerate enough to make that inflation entrenched. Whereas now that we've got kind of oil and and agricultural prices rising, they now seem to be thinking that's entrenched. What they actually said this month was that more timely evidence from the liaison and business surveys that they run is that larger wage increases are now occurring. So either they've got a little bit of insight into the wages figure that's coming and, and they believe that that's going to be sustainable, or they're panicking over some of these factors that I would say they've got little control over, that being kind of the oil price and and what's going on with with Russia and Ukraine. But when you look at the bond market at the moment, I think what you say is important in that, okay, well, now that the hikes are coming, the bigger question is, when are they going to stop? So cash in 18 months time is being priced at about 3.3%. If they got there, you know, that implies mortgage rates need to rise by, you know, over 3%. That's going to become quite expensive. Sydney housing's already beginning to show some signs of, of weakness. So whether the market could handle that type of increase, I'm kind of suspect on. So the idea that if they act too fast, a recession will follow, I think, is probably what the market will begin to think about next because they're signalling that they want to go. And the market, as you said, is forecasting more increases than we've seen for a very long time. I think one of the other things that sort of sits in the back of my mind, and I think we mentioned this last time, is that we keep getting told by anybody who wants to say it that the economy is in good shape, that people have plenty of um, money, their balance sheets are in good order, and you know they can afford higher interest rates. Yet the minute we start to see prices rise and things like that, people are already screaming out for handouts, things like that. Every state government and federal government are talking about compensating for the cost of um, higher inflation. Whilst that may smooth over some of the, the problems, at least in the short run, it's hard to imagine people are in a great position if they're that worried about these things. And we saw today consumer confidence plummeted quite heavily. That was even before we had the rate hike. So I guess it'd be interesting to see how the consumer behaves over the next couple of months, particularly if we do get a series of multiple hikes, as, as many in the market believe. I think on on kind of that point as well, that if the economy is this hot, that you know they need to be thinking that the cash rate needs to go up you know, multiple times over over the next few months, then, you know, the question kind of becomes, well, why doesn't the the federal and state governments begin trying to repair their deficits that they've been spending over the past couple of years? And as you said, every time something's happened, we seem to actually just see more handouts. So whether it's, you know, the petrol excise needed to be cut or whether you look at the Victorian budget that we just saw recently that said that they're going to be trying to give away, you know, $250 to help account for the cost of of living increases. It is a bit weird, I think, to be saying the RBA needs to be now doing all the heavy lifting on rates and the, the federal and state governments are just going to continue to give money away 
without trying to repair the deficit. But I guess that's just the world that we live in now. Yeah, I think we've talked about this in the past. To be able to repair balance sheets, there will be some natural repair there because employment in Australia is a lot higher than we had originally expected. Um, So there is going to be a benefit to the government there. Unemployment benefits will be lower. But there'll also be some other hits to the to the budget as well, with inflation running higher, pension costs will be higher, all the other government payments that they make will be a little bit higher. So on balance, you know, there's no real significant budget repair. I mean, we borrowed a lot of money over the last two years. Even if they get that back in um, extra taxes, it's not going to fix the previous run of 10 years worth of uh, budget deficit that we've had. So things look okay for now. But also, if you looked at the RBA's forecasts, they're, they're talking about 6% inflation for this year, but dropping back um, down in, in 2024 to sort of, a, a sort of a core rate of about 3%, which is probably a good thing. And that's obviously them factoring in higher interest rates. But I think the worrying thing for me is that they're talking about growth falling almost in half in 2024 compared to what it is now you know if we're running at three four percent inflation but only two percent growth that's not a good outcome for anybody either and i think you know if we're in that situation the consumer is not going to be very happy well certainly not going to be too happy as well with mortgage rates are you know 300 points higher in, over that same period i i think as well that certainly from the RBA's perspective, but more so if, if you look at the Fed, there is kind of the point here that they do need to be a little bit careful in the sense that, you know, if you look at the Fed, they just spent trillions of dollars trying to avoid a recession. And, you know, the RBA spent hundreds of billions on QE trying to avoid a recession. So to jag rates up higher now and cause that very thing that you just spent so much money trying to avoid seems a little bit kind of self-defeating. So I think what they've done is certainly ahead of what we saw coming, now that inflation is here, that they're probably going to want to stamp on it. But this idea that the consumer is just going to be able to handle that because, you know, there's so much savings built up, I think is a little bit questionable for those people that have taken on what would have been huge mortgages over the past 12 months. The other thing the RBA announced today was um, on their balance sheet. Um, so it's a good place to probably talk about it. As expected by most um, commentators in the market, the RBA has basically said that they're just going to allow things to run off. What that means is that most of the impact from the unwinding of their balance sheet will probably happen in 2023 and 2024 rather than immediately. So we're probably not going to have any major impacts. But what we've seen from offshore evidence is that that tends to create liquidity problems um, in in bond markets and within interbank cash markets. So it'll be interesting to see how they they deal with those issues over the next couple of months. Uh, Obviously, as I said, it's not something we're going to see in the short run, but it could be happening at a time when... We're also getting to the peak in interest rates and a few other things going on at the time. So the RBA is certainly going to have its work cut out for it over the next couple of months. Yeah, and I think certainly from what they're discussing there, while it might tighten up conditions, you know, when that when that does start rolling off over the next couple of years, it's less kind of hawkish than what the Federal Reserve's talking about, where they're actively talking about selling their bonds down. If you look kind of over the past 10 years, no central bank has had much success in reducing the size of their balance sheet once they've expanded it. So it will be one of those things that I think, again, the RBA needs to be somewhat cognizant of, careful of when it comes, but for the next 12 months, it's probably not going to mean too much. It's also interesting that the last time we had uh, central banks running large, effectively balance sheets was after World War II. And I think it took, was it 20, 25 years for them to wind those balance sheets back? And markets are 
effectively pricing in that happening within six months. So we'll see if that's true this time, but uh, history would tell you otherwise. Yeah, I, I think on that point in, in the kind of 1940s and 1950s, the way that they unwound their balance sheet was allowing growth to come through. And it's probably something else that we've talked about a lot that if you want to unwind these huge debt and kind of large balance sheet positions, you need high inflation and you need high growth. So the fact that they're deciding to step on that high inflation the second that it turns up doesn't kind of bode well for, for the deleveraging that needs to occur. Not to mention only forecasting 2% growth as well. So uh, yeah, definitely uh, will be, uh, again, tricky for the RBA to, to, to sort of navigate that. I guess one of the other things we've talked about is um, you know market pricing at the moment is very, very aggressive. You know, my, my feeling is that the market's betting that what the RBA and the Fed do at the moment isn't going to slow inflation dramatically. And, you know, our own view is that there's not much rates can do to slow um, inflation pressures because rates don't affect oil prices. They don't affect food prices. The one area they're likely to have a big impact, though, is on housing, uh, something we've talked about quite a lot. You know, what, what is your view now on what's likely to happen with the housing market? I think what's going to happen is going to really depend on just how quickly they move the cash rate. You know, when, when we've talked in the past about how much households can kind of handle servicing, up to about one, one and a half percent look to be the sweet spot for total debt costs. Once you go beyond that, I think it's going to become tougher and tougher on the household. So, you know, if they are to hike four more times from here and get the cash rate back, you know, a bit over one percent, the housing market will slow, but it, it probably should be okay. If they start to push beyond that, I think it's going to get a little bit messy. But certainly for Sydney and Melbourne, it looks like the peak for prices is in. You know, we're already seeing that softening come through the auction clearance rates. You're starting to hear about only single bidders and those types of things occurring. That is generally consistent with the market starting to fall. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Sydney and Melbourne prices start to come off now that the cash rate moves higher. The markets of kind of Brisbane, Perth and Adelaide still seem to be running on quite a bit of strength so maybe they can hang in there a bit longer but it isn't going to be the ultra easy conditions where you're going to have super low fixed rates super low um, mortgage rates and you can go and borrow any amount you want it's probably going to have to see borrowing volumes start to decrease from here and it's certainly something we're seeing not only here but but also in the us and new zealand where rates have already started to move higher and and the impact has been quite dramatic so it'll be interesting again to see how long and how high they can push rates before that pain factor on top of everything else. I mean, no, normally, you know, if it was just rates going up, um, you'd probably say, yes, the, they can take it. But, but the inflation increases, petrol prices, everything on top of that is quite a large impost on the consumer at a time when, you know, whilst wages may be rising, they're probably not rising at that kind of rate. And I guess, though, from, from the RBA's perspective, you know, they, they, they probably want to slow it, I guess, a little bit for now, because if you look at the, the ABS data, they said the most significant contributors to CPI this quarter were fuel, tertiary education, and then new dwellings. So, you know, if a big chunk of your CPI is coming through new dwellings, then the easiest way to kind of push that down is to try and get house prices off a little bit because that'll kind of disincentivize people from constructing and, and looking for new buildings. So, you know, maybe this is part of their plan, but certainly in the past, over the past 10 years, every time that housing CPI has begun to drop, they've, they've pretty quickly changed their tune. So again, one of these things of be careful what you wish for. One of the things that came out of the statement today was that the RBA blamed offshore factors, something that again, they have no control over. I think personally, what happens in Ukraine, what happens in China, 
what happens in the US is likely to have a far bigger impact on um, what is likely to happen in Australia than anything actually happening here. Even with our election and all the handouts, it's unlikely that any domestic policies are likely to have a major impact on the, the course of rates and the course of the economy in the next 12 months. Are you seeing anything that sort of worries you um, dramatically in that sort of worldview? The only thing that kind of pops up that you know we've probably brought up too many times now is just what's going on in China. Um, certainly the view from us at the back end of last year was that commodity prices would be slowing because we're starting to see the growth in China come off. And certainly the growth in China came off, but because of what occurred in Russia and Ukraine, commodity prices jagged higher. So I kind of feel like the, the biggest threat is that we are seeing some slowdown come from China and that because the inflation is coming from a different source that you're kind of at risk of, of rates having a, a greater effect earlier. Certainly that's not what the market's thinking about at the moment with, with how high they're forecasting the cash rate. Certainly it hasn't been true over the past three months as, as we've said it. So whether or not it comes to fruition is kind of separate, but it still sits there in my mind that we are starting to see growth slow. We are starting to see some of the, the growth indicators in the US slow. And at the same time, we're now talking about just huge interest rate increases. That does make me a little bit nervous, but to date it's been fine. Yeah, China's the um, the one I guess that we probably are most impacted by. Um, you know, as much as our rates seem to follow what's going on in the US, our commodity cycle is very China driven. We're already probably starting to see some evidence that iron ore prices um, and some of those may be peaked. Um, always reluctant to call that because there's not really my area of expertise, but but that looks like it. Whereas oil, food, things like that, which are continuing to be driven by what's happening in Ukraine, are not something that really helps our uh, local economy that dramatically, but it will hurt the economy. So we're likely to see some some changes and some threats from there. The other thing, I guess, is that supply chain issues have really been China-driven, and if China remains in lockdown as it has for the last couple of weeks with more COVID outbreaks. Um, It's it's really hard to see how inflation is likely to moderate in the short run. It doesn't mean that interest rate hikes are going to fix it, but I think we're probably going to be sitting here talking about elevated inflation for, for months, not just a couple of weeks. Yeah, certainly as long as commodity prices hang up here, I think inflation will remain high. And that's probably why now the, the RBA's forecast is sitting at 6%. But again, I would feel better about kind of this inflation outlook if it was because commodities were being driven by some huge increase in demand that wasn't related to a supply shock. It's that supply side of things that kind of makes me nervous about the inflation that's occurring. But again, you know, this is something that people have probably heard us worry about for a while and just doesn't seem to be a factor for markets at the moment. Well, that's it for this month. In the the first time I've worked with Chris Rands, um, his first rate hike that he's uh, seen, uh, certainly a a new uh, discussion topic for us. But um, if you do want to suggest any other topics for our future uh, podcasts, um, you can contact Chris and I at the rate debate at yarracm.com. Tune in next month when we deliver our latest thoughts on the RBA's June rate decision and provide an update on what's happening in markets. Until next time, stay safe. The Rate Debate podcast content may contain general advice. Before acting on anything in this podcast, you should consider your own objectives, financial situation or needs and seek the advice of an appropriately qualified financial advisor. The actions based on information within this podcast are strictly at your own risk. Any mention of past performance is not a reliable indicator of future performance.